Hey, welcome to Church Online, everyone. So glad you could be with us this morning. Uh, just keeping in mind that we're all gathered together, and that's gonna be important this morning because just a quick reminder, we are gonna be taking communion together. And so if you haven't already uh, gotten those things kind of together, whatever you have in your house to kind of stand in as symbols for the shed blood and, and the body of Christ, we're gonna do that together in unity just at the end of this service. So please be prepared for that. But in the meantime, today is a bit of a special Sunday. It's a little different. Uh, in the traditional Christian calendar, today is Pentecost Sunday. And this is the moment in time that we kind of remember and celebrate this moment when the Holy Spirit is released into this earth and into the church, those that have called Jesus Lord and Savior. And so we celebrate this moment where uh, the church is essentially birthed when the Spirit comes and empowers the apostles in the, in the first century to go out and preach the gospel with power and with boldness. And so today we remember that, but we don't just remember it as a past event, we also embrace it as a current reality. And so today, as, we, uh, as both we remember and embrace the moving of the Spirit as a current reality, uh, let's celebrate Pentecost Sunday together. So I'm gonna open a prayer, and then Pastor Marcus is gonna be leading us in the Word of God this morning. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit that came and gave us life. You led us, Holy Spirit, to Jesus. You're leading others to Jesus. You're revealing the Son of God to mankind. And we thank you, Lord, for your part in empowering your people as well. As we come and give our lives to you, Lord, you come and you empower us by your Spirit. And we seek, Lord, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit as you cause us to look more and more like Jesus, God's son each day. And so Lord, today, would you do just that? Would you lead and guide us in truth? Would you be present with us, the church, when we participate in communion and the remembrance of Christ Jesus and his sacrifice for us? So Lord, have your way today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, I hope that you have uh, something to write on. Hope maybe somebody's at a keyboard to kind of interact with us, but we are gonna just turn it over to Pastor Marcus as he leads us in God's word. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Marcus. I'm one of the pastors here at Evangel Church, and we're so glad that you've joined us uh, this Sunday morning. So our vision statement here at Evangel is that we exist to be a safe place for everyone to explore faith in Jesus, receive his love, and look more and more like him each day. And that's kind of the filter in which we pass all of the things that we do here through. Uh, if you've been with us for more than a couple moments, you will know that we say this over and over and over. And so it's truly one of our um, guides as we do ministry here and as we uh, walk through what we do here at church. And so as I was reading the passage that I'm speaking on today, and as I was considering our vision statement, I realized that they kind of are in synergy with each other. And today I want to focus on actually the last piece of our vision statement, which is to look more and more like him each day. Because in order to look more and more like Jesus each day, we have to know more and more about Jesus and about our faith. We need to know who he was, how he lived his life, and how that affects and changes our lives and the way that we act in our life. 
And so if you're exploring faith with us this morning, it's likely that you've joined us today because you also are looking to know a little bit about the faith that we have in Jesus. And so I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you've joined us this morning. And the reality is, no matter if you've been a part of faith for a long time, or if you're just exploring faith with us this morning, you're probably here for some similar reasons, and that's to know more about faith. And so it seems that we've come to this stream with almost the same intentions this morning. And so we're going to look uh, at kind of what that means for our lives. Because the reality is the, the pursuit of knowing more and more about faith isn't just a one-time moment. It's a journey that we take for our entire lifetime. And yet, as I look at kind of where the way that culture is now, there's a little bit of a tension with that idea. Our current culture can sometimes grate against the idea that knowledge or gaining knowledge about something particular is a lifelong journey. Because in our information age, we're so used to typing something in on Google, to typing in that question we have or that concept that we're wanting to learn, and finding results that are almost instant, where we can see articles and uh, other information, we see a definition, we can see people's opinions on a particular subject, and it's almost head-spinning how fast we can do that. And the result of this is that we can become educated or at least informed really, really quickly on a lot of different subjects where we glean all the information we can at the click of a button, we form our opinions, uh, we continue to kind of grab other sources of information that may bolster what we know. Uh, and this can be a little bit different than traditional learning where there's a little bit more of an exchange because we have the option uh, in our information age to only hear and receive information that bolsters what we believe is true. And then we move on to the next thing. And then the next thing, the next thing, the next thing is we accumulate all of this knowledge. But the, the thing is, whether we intend it to or not, all of those things, all of that knowledge that we're receiving shape us. It shapes us in some way. And it shapes our intentions. It shapes our thoughts. It shapes our uh, convictions and our values. It shapes our thought processes. And so how often do we apply this consumption of knowledge that we have in our information age to our faith? Because I think it's important that we do that as well. And the question that I've been asking myself, even as I've been working through this passage is, when was the last time that you or I did a deep dive on some of the, the pieces of faith that we can know? And hear my heart in this, I'm not saying this to like, wag a finger at you or judge you in any way, but to simply just invite us into taking a little bit of inventory of our lives, to do a little bit of a self-check of what we're allowing to shape us. And on the other side of kind of the same coin that we've been talking about, we have also maybe become so overwhelmed with the information that we can receive that everything around us has just become white noise, where we've just been bombarded with all this information all the time and it actually doesn't allow us to receive knowledge or understand or digest it, but it just creates this white noise where nothing really lands and nothing really roots. And I'm not saying that this information age is something that's negative or terrible in and of itself. It's actually a great blessing that we can have unfettered access to the information that we wanna know, that we can have all of the world's information almost at the touch of a button. But in our right now culture, Trying to wrap our heads around something taking our whole lives to truly know and understand can sometimes be jarring. 
because it's so different than the culture that we sometimes find ourselves in here. And yet in our journey to look more and more like Jesus, we must be committed to knowing more and more about faith. And this is a lifelong journey. And if you're taking notes with us, like Pastor Lucas encouraged, I want you to write that down. In our journey of looking more and more like Jesus, we must be committed to knowing more and more about faith. Here's the thing about faith in Jesus. I don't want to be part of a faith where in my finite, restricted mind, I can know all there is to know. Or by a quick Google search that I can gain all the information in totality about faith. Because if we could do that, I actually think it would be a pretty weak and a pretty sad form of belief. And I don't actually think it would be faith at all. And so I'm thankful that this journey takes our whole lives to understand and even then past that life because it shows that my faith is something that's not just restricted to my mind or the world around me, but that it's greater than that and it's bigger than that. And so this journey of faith is truly lifelong and I believe it will be the most fulfilling and the most transformative experience that we can have in this lifetime. And the writer of Hebrews actually addresses this journey of knowing about faith with his hearers in Hebrews chapter five, verses 11 to 14. And so we're gonna unpack that today. So let's read that together. It says, about this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain because you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need somebody to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much that you've revealed yourself to us. You've revealed the fullness of who you are to each one of us. And yet we get to be on this lifelong journey of knowing more and more about you and, and our faith today. Holy Spirit, as we take those next steps and journeying in that, I pray that you would reveal the truth that you would have for us today, that my voice would be just so quiet in this moment, and that your truth and your voice, Holy Spirit, would speak to our, our minds, our hearts, and that it would outflow in what we do with our hands. God, we thank you so much that you are always with us and that you are teaching us constantly. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So our messages in Hebrews as of late have kind of centered around Jesus as our great high priest and what that means both for the readers or the audience that heard that in their time, but also for us today. If you're new with us and you haven't caught up with some of our messages that we've had, that we've spoken as we've journeyed through the book of Hebrews, there's a couple ways that you can find those. If you go to myevangel.church forward slash media, all of our previous messages from this series, but also from series past, will be there in almost a little bit of a podcast format. And then if you found us today in our live stream, you know that we also do our live recordings on Facebook and on YouTube. And so if you search Evangel Church, you'll be able to find us there. But if you're on the stream, likely you already have. And so I wanna just give you a couple ways that you can kind of catch up if you need to. But the writer of Hebrews has been developing this idea over the past little bit of how Jesus is a greater high priest than the Old Testament priest king named Melchizedek. 
And he's been developing this and working through what that means. But then all of a sudden, the author kind of takes this really strange and almost random seeming aside where he speaks to the condition of the audience's lives and, and he offers a really sharp warning to them. He begin, they begin by saying that their audience is dull of hearing and that this dullness has caused them to become, uh, to become stunted in their spiritual maturity. Ouch. That's a pretty sharp way to start. And this concept of being dull in hearing in, in Greek would mean something more than just your ability to hear. It's more than just your ability to like have words, enter your eardrum and be known by your brain. Because when we look at the word here in biblical Greek in the first century, it means to fully comprehend. It is active. It means to not just listen, but to also obey. Hearing in the first century was a transformative verb. And so the word used here for dull, when we look at, again, the ancient language, it paints a painfully clear picture. The word used here is nothros, and it means slow moving in mind, sluggish in understanding, dull of hearing, stupidly forgetful. It can be used of the numbed limbs of an ill animal. It can be used of a person who has the imperceptive nature of a stone. Those are some pretty strong words. And as I was reading that over this past week, it felt like kind of a hit in the gut where I would read that and just kind of like, oh, that is like a strong, strong word that's used there. And I think it's so strong because it's really meaningful for where the writer of Hebrews wants to bring his audience and bring us even today. And so the author is saying that this is what happens if we become satisfied and stop being learners of faith. It causes us to become dull. It causes us to become stunted in our spiritual maturity. R. Brown says, when the author of Hebrews says that their spiritual hearing has become dull, he uses the perfect tense and it describes the abiding result of a past act. What this means is that in the, in the past, the audience, uh, the audience in Hebrews were passionate. They were wanting to learn. They were growing in their spiritual maturity, but then something shifted their attitude changed, and this pursuit of knowing about faith and knowing so that it transforms you started to wane. And this dullness of hearing means that the audience had become ineffective in their faith. And the writer of Hebrews is desperately, desperately trying to bring them back to that passion that they once had for knowing about this faith that changed their life. And as I was reading over those really strong definitions of what the word dull means, the one that stuck out to me the most was the numbed limbs of an animal which is ill. Because I think if we choose to stop listening, if we choose to stop becoming, or if we choose to become complacent with growing in our knowledge of faith, I think it numbs us from action. Like that animal which becomes ill and numb, it can't move, it can't act. It numbs us from acting as well. And so I think the question that this uh, this piece of scripture asks us is, how sharp is your hearing? And of course, I don't mean today your ability to listen or, or your actual hearing. But are you looking more and more like Jesus by being committed to knowing more and more about faith? And I think there are two ways in which we become dull in our hearing. The first one is assuming that we've arrived at knowing all there is to know, or assuming that you've arrived at knowing all you want to know. 
And sometimes when we've been a part of faith for a long time, it can be easy to forget the passion in which we first pursued learning about faith. And I wonder if we become dull of hearing because we actually allow other noise to drown out the truth that we can learn about faith. In our information age that our culture is in now, we can often have just the white noise. And I think God is inviting each one of us today back to sharpen our hearing so that we can be lifelong learners of faith again. In our journey of looking more and more like Jesus, we must be committed to knowing more and more about faith. And traditionally, uh, knowing more and more about faith would be called orthodoxy. And that word simply just means right doctrine or right belief. But the truth is we can't just have good orthodoxy. We can't just know what is good belief in our heads. That's the start, but it's not the end of our spiritual maturity because good orthodoxy must lead to good orthopraxy. And what that simply means is right action. So proper or good belief must lead to right action. Because if we have one or the other, then we can kind of find ourselves in a tough situation where if we only know the right belief, if it's all up in our head, then we know all there is to know, but we do nothing about it. And James says in, in another book of the Bible that our faith without works is dead. And if we only know the right way to act and don't know all of the, the belief that should inform that, then it means that actually sometimes we'll act contrary to faith. And so we need to have both of those working in tandem with each other. And I think that's what the reader or the, the writer of Hebrews is, is inviting us into. And so when we look at this detour that the author takes, we see that they have just devoted actually five whole chapters explaining the perfect, exalted, precious, near, sympathetic, and yet powerful Jesus to his hearers. And yet he worries that they just don't get it. He worries that they've missed the point because they got caught up in other things that they have devoted their minds to. And so I actually don't think it was coincidental at all that this passage was placed here because this author of Hebrews just spent the first half of his entire, almost the first half of his entire letter reminding the audience of some of the ABCs of faith. And it, we're almost at like a checkpoint right now because as the book progresses, he's going to develop more and more um, deep understanding of faith. And he is, he's worried that his audience is going to miss it, that they're going to miss that transformation. And I want to say that the ABCs of our faith are, are no less in importance. Things like salvation and knowing who Jesus is, the revelation of that, those aren't any less important. They're actually incredible, rich, and exciting truth for us. But if we only focus on the ABCs, we forget that there are also 23 other letters as well. So if you've lost that passion to learn about faith, to grow in spiritual maturity, or if you become dull of hearing, it might be time to remind yourself again of who Jesus is, just like the writer of Hebrews did for his audience, and have that revelation fresh and anew inspire you to continue learning about faith. Because this passage invites us into a mindset and attitude shift that doesn't just change our actions, but that transforms our hearts. The author goes on to say that his audience should be teachers, but that they need someone else again to reteach them all of those things of the basic tenets of faith again. 
And the reality is I don't think that much in life stays stagnant for very long. It either progresses or it regresses. So as we've been in this COVID season, um, early, early on in when all the restrictions were being put in place, my gym closed down. And I was like just getting into a routine. I was just getting into it. I felt like I was making some gains and then it closed for good reason and for good measure. And so in this season, since my gym has closed up until now, I will be honest to say that I have remained pretty stagnant. Um, I have remained more stagnant, I feel like, in this season than I ever have in my life. I didn't really exercise much, or even, if I'm being honest, at all. And I maybe let myself have too many desserts after dinner, or also maybe too many desserts after lunch, or also maybe too many desserts after breakfast. Um, and so I remained really stagnant. And then my gym opened at the beginning of this week and I was so excited to get back into it. But you know what happened when I went back to the gym? I didn't pick up where I left off. I didn't pick up those same weights that I had finished when it closed. I couldn't actually pick up those same weights because by staying stagnant, I didn't remain where I was so I could pick up and keep going. I actually lost muscle and then I gained weight. And it's been a truly and honestly painful process this week of getting back into it since my gym reopened. And it frustrates me that in my stagnancy, I actually didn't stay where I was, but I regressed backwards. Do you see where I'm going here? In my lack of progression forward, I actually ended up going backward. And friends, this is sometimes true of our spiritual maturity as well. We need to be continually flexing the muscle of learning about faith or else in its stagnancy, it will begin to regress. We will begin to drift backward. In our journey of looking more and more like Jesus, we must be committed to knowing more and more about faith. And we have the option to either progress forward or regress backward in our spiritual maturity. And as we're talking about this, I want to remind you that progress when we view it, for the lens of, view it through the lens of faith is actually sometimes different, is, is actually drastically different than what the world would define as progress. It's not just a simple linear movement from point A to point B to point C to point D and onward in this like one directional forward movement. Progress through the lens of faith is actually multi-directional because sometimes it looks like no movement forward, but movement deeper as we understand and are transformed by the truth of God's word. It looks like letting seeds that are planted that are truth for our lives grow roots, which we can't see on the surface. It looks like taking time to process and wrestle through some of those um, understandings of faith which bring maturity. And so I don't want us to get caught up in the markers of progress that the world brings, but to see it through the lens of faith. And there may be those of us, as we're talking about teachers and students, that think, well, I'm not a teacher. But William Barclay has this to say. He says it's not necessary to take that, the term teacher, literally. To say that someone was able to teach was the Greek way of saying that the person had a mature grasp of a subject. So how many times have we thought, well, so-and-so never taught me this, so how was I supposed to know, or that's why I didn't know? But the reality is there's a dual responsibility that we must take in growing in maturity. Our maturity can't just be relegated to our pastors or our Christian educators or uh, into our family or in whatever other way, we have to take charge for ourselves too. It has to be both and. And so in our journey to look more and more like Jesus, we need to know more and more about faith 
so that we can journey with others in their pursuit of looking more and more like Jesus. And the writer of Hebrews brings kind of another picture of his audience still drinking milk rather than taking in real solid food. And they say that, and it says that those who drink milk are unskilled in righteousness. And what they mean by that is their faith doesn't have substance. Because only newborn babies that survive on milk alone, which is what the writer is trying to get at here. Having a liquid diet is not sustaining. It leaves us empty, it leaves us weak, it leaves us hungering for more. And as I was thinking about this passage where the author kind of encourages or, or challenges his listeners to kind of grow up spiritually, I couldn't help but think of one of my favorite movies from my childhood, Peter Pan, The Boy Who Never Grew Up. It's one of my favorite Disney movies. It's one of my favorite Disneyland rides. I love that ride. And at first when you watch the movie, it seems like a dream. You never have to grow up. You can always live this life of adventure. There's this picture painted of an oasis of adventure, this oasis of remaining a child and having no responsibilities and no pressure to do what the world is telling you to. But there's a quote in the book that actually really struck me. It said, but the years came and went without bringing the careless boy. And when they met again, Wendy was a married woman and Peter was no more to her than a little dust in the box in which she had kept her toys. I realized as I read this quote that the story of Peter Pan is actually not a wonderful fairy tale, but instead it's actually a little bit of a tragedy. We can either choose to press on towards spiritual maturity or we can decide to stay where we're at. But if we choose to stay where we at, we are at, God will still love you. That's not gonna change. God will still care about you and care for you. He will still reveal himself to you. But the reality is the world may go on without us and we may miss God's best for us because we're not made to remain in a state of immaturity. We are not made to be spiritual Peter Pans. And this passage can seem a little bit bleak as we read it. And I know as I was reading through it, I was feeling really challenged with it feeling just very heavy. And it is, and I want to acknowledge that. But I actually think that there's a great encouragement at the end of it. Hebrews 5.14 says, But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Having a diet that is full of solid food is one of substance. And this is truly the hope of the passage. You today can be a person of spiritual maturity with a faith that has substance, which gives you influence as you disciple others around you. It doesn't matter your upbringing, upbringing, your grades, your skills, your abilities, but the heart in which you choose to pursue this. And when people see your faith has substance, it's truly inspiring, it's endearing. It's because you look more and more like Jesus as that happens. And so let's be a people who are not satisfied with spiritual milk, but those who are able to digest and process through some of those deeper parts of faith. And so in our journey of looking more and more like Jesus, we must be committed to knowing more and more about faith. And as we do this, it adds trajectory and purpose and direction and clarity to our lives. And this passage of scripture invites us to take a little bit of an inventory of our lives today. Are we growing in spiritual maturity by knowing more and more about faith? Like I said at the beginning, the knowledge we choose to take in shapes us. The knowledge we choose to take in shapes us. And so this sermon today is almost a bit of a two-part message. 
The next passage talks about some really practical ways for us to grow in spiritual maturity. And I'd invite you to listen into our stream next week as Pastor Lucas kind of unpacks this and continues this theme. But as I introduce the idea today, I want to simply give a couple thoughts of how we can begin to begin or continue the journey of knowing more and more about faith. The first one is growing in knowledge of God should not bring exaltation of self. What I mean by that is as we commit to knowing more and more about faith, the person who should be magnified in the process is God is not our name, our reputation, our influence, but, but that Jesus should be magnified in the process. And finally, I wanna say that there is more for you. There is more for you. And I think that people need to hear that today and it needs to move from their head to their heart. There is more for you. No matter how long you've been a believer for, if you're just exploring faith today, there is more for you. If you feel stagnant in your faith, there is more for you. If you feel like you've arrived at all of the answers, there is more for you. As the Holy Spirit reveals truth to us, there will always be something new that we can learn as we partner with the Holy Spirit as he reveals truth to us. And so to close, I wanna simply just encourage you from scripture today. And this comes from 2 Peter 3, 18. And it says, may you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Would you pray with me? God, we know that sometimes um, you speak to us through your word in a way that convicts our hearts. And so God, I pray that if that is happening where we're feeling like something needs to change, God, I pray that there wouldn't be shame present because that's not who you are, but that this uh, sometimes strong passage toward us would be something that inspires us to push forward. So Jesus, reveal yourself to each one of us, because as you reveal yourself to us, it inspires us to continue to know more and more about who you are. And so we thank you, God, that you truly have revealed all there is to know. And so as we know more and more about faith, may we each look more and more like you. We, we thank you, Jesus. We love you, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, guys, thank you. And uh, Marcus, that was such a great word. I love that idea that you spoke to on if we're not in a season of progression, we're actually in a season of regression. Mm. And um, it's such an important reminder for all of us. And speaking of reminders, as you said, that's what this table is. As we come to the table of the Lord together as the church, um, we're reminded that Christ died for us to not just give us eternal life and what's to come, but to give us life in the here and now. And part of that journey is understanding 
his ways and his truths and being obedient to that way because in that obedience, we find life as well as life in him. And so we're gonna just take a moment and right across this region, wherever you're watching from, thank you for joining us in this moment of communion and remembrance. And so if you do have your elements, I hope that you have those. If not, you, I'm sure you can pause this video and maybe jump in and do it together as a family. And, uh, but we're gonna, we're gonna do that right now. So as we come to this table, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this table. We thank you that you instituted this moment that we would remember on a regular basis as we gather as community of faith, your sacrifice that has given us life, your shed blood and your broken body, forgiveness of sins and, uh, and, <clears throat> and healing on, on a perfect level right across the board. And so God, we thank you for your work and we remember that today. So Jesus, um, on the night that he was betrayed, uh, by one of his friends, uh, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body. It's broken for you. Take, eat in remembrance of me. And so let's take and eat together in remembrance of his broken body. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And in the same way, he took the cup. He said, this is a new covenant in my blood. As often as you eat and do this do it in remembrance of me and so either though we can't be together uh, right now we do we do this in remembrance of him and the spirit is with us unifying us in this moment and so let's partake of his shed blood together now perhaps you're exploring faith with us and you just heard me partake of his shed blood together maybe that's throwing you off a little bit well, this is a moment of remembrance. These are symbols that symbolically speak to the sacrifice of Jesus giving his life. And if you've never maybe explored this reality that there is a savior, that God's son came and he shed his blood and he broke his body to bring us salvation, to bring us life, we would love to interact with you. And uh, just if you have any questions or you have any concerns about that or, or doubts about that, uh, we welcome all of that. And so you can reach us uh, at our office or myevangel.church. You can contact us there. We would love just to engage you in this journey of faith. And maybe you're, you're here and you are a believer in Jesus and you just partook together with us in community and you need some prayer and you need to be you know, lifted up and encouraged and, and walked with for whatever reason. Uh, don't ever hesitate to reach out because we're in this together and we're just so thankful that um, even though we can't be together, we have the technology to connect. And so be sure to know that you are part of community and part of family because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and you stepping into faith in that. So we're just so glad you're with us, everyone. God bless you. Have a beautiful week. Go in God's grace. Go in his peace. And we'll see you next week.